Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of Forever in Electric Dreams' uh, Close Encounters minicast. My name's Imran. I'm playing host uh, for our episode today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm joined by, I feel like this is the first time this has been a panel, which is a very cool thing. So I'm joined by uh, Daniel J. Collicott, who's joining me in a different place, different building, but London-based. How are you today, Dan? I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, very and, uh, this is very official. It, it feels, for some reason, this is the first time we've done one of these where it does feel official, and I think that will probably make sense in a moment. Um, but we're also joined, uh, I mentioned we're London-based, we're joined by a, a Canadian um, head <laughs> based over in uh, uh, Montreal. It is Montreal, isn't it? Hey. Yeah, well, that, that's a, that's as Canadian a response as it could have been. Dennis Jose Francois, hello. How are you today, dude? I'm I'm very fine. Um, I'm in Montreal in uh, French Quebec. Um, how how is it? Kept that up for the entire show. That would be brilliant. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is my accent. Well, it's not legit because he didn't open with bonjour, hi. <laughs> oh, no, a true Quebecer does not say bonjour, hi, because it is making too much uh, too much fun uh, with the English language. And we do not do that here in Quebec. Touche, touche. Well played. Uh, <laughs> do, do, do you want me to do my intro again so I don't piss no, off? No, I think that's, well, well I, I think it's okay. <laughs> Let's do, as anyway, why don't we just do the whole thing again? Go. Start again. The, go. No, go. Uh, go. Do it. What? Even my intro? No, not even your intro. Just the introductions. Okay. Um, I, I, <laughs> all of this, all of this is going in. By the way, I will do oh. it again. But all of this is going in. Oh. Um, shall I do it again? Or go on. Okay. You've promised the listeners you're going to do I pr- it again. I, so I, now you're going to have to I, do it again. I, just to confirm that the listeners are now hearing this a second time. So all of this <laughs> is going in. Um, I'm joined uh, today by uh, my um, <laughs> colleague, uh, Daniel J. Collicott. How are you today? I'm okay. This is strange because we have worked together, so we have been colleagues. But we I'd, are I'd, colleagues. I'd like to think we were friends. Ooh, I shuddered at the idea of it. Uh, <laughs> no, <I do> not. <laughs> No, no. I think we could be friends. Yeah, but it just—it just—it felt in this. No, 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 no. I mean, in this capacity, it didn't feel like it was an appropriate. Like, I've got my friend. I've got my other friend over there. You know, we're all friends. This is um, like it it feels. Like I said, it feels official today for some reason. Okay, it is. I think you're getting confused between friends and fam. We're going through a fam phase uh, at home, um, and it's it's grim. I despise the word. I detest it. Um, but yes, oh, Dennis Jose. Fr- actually, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the correct use of the word as well. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel. I feel. Even though we've already introduced you, Dennis, I feel compelled to do it again because I've done Dan. Mm-hmm. So we're joined uh, from uh, Montreal. We have uh, Dennis Jose Francois. Hi, everyone. How are you today? I'm okay. Very, this is quite reserved. It's very good. Yeah. Um, do you have the word fam in Montreal? Uh, yes. Well, we have uh, family. 
But like, do you say like as Dan said, "allow it, fam"? No, okay. no, not here. No, I, mean, so, I, I think that expression is spreading globally really? just a little bit, just a little bit. I have heard people use that term at work, but there's obviously a lot of British people at my work because it's a British company. Um, so that's probably why we're on calls all, all, all the time. It just sounds strange to me coming from people who are in no way connected to, you know, the London roadmen culture, right. which is uh, where it originates from. And that sounds strange when you hear it come out of the mouth of a middle-aged uh, Canadian housewife. <laughs> <laughs> But how would she say, I'm not asking you to do an accent, but how, how would she say it? Like, would she, if you had been around there for a cup of tea, you're, let's say it's your buddy and then you're leaving and she says, oh, <laughs> and they didn't, I won't do the accent. Would she just say, you know, like, peace out, fam? Or like, no, no, see, we'll thanks for out. coming, fam. Thanks for coming, She'd fam. She'd be like, thanks for coming, fam, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know if this version of the intro is less or more <laughs> or more offensive. <laughs> uh, no, this is good. Okay, so um, today I've talked about this being something official. This is a very uh, celebratory um, uh, podcast today. We're really excited about it, and I I I I'm, I push for this. I desperately wanted to to do this because. Uh, uh, under our Forever in Electric Dreams banner, I'm going to try and steal as much credit for this as possible. We put out something that was very, very cool. Um, and it's the vision of uh, the gentleman to my virtual left. It was Daniel J. Collicott, uh, who wrote and it, uh, put together this wonderful thing called um, Old Boys Club, which is uh, kind of Dan's, uh, I say uh, Dan specifically first, but our you know forever electric dreams kind of first foray into a uh scripted audio uh drama uh um, regardless of genre of horror comedy etc etc but this is kind of our first uh foray into this and it's really exciting uh it marks the first of a horror anthology we're hoping to map out uh, a few episodes for under the banner is the monsters within us and this is the first one uh old boys club so before we go any further dan congratulations man well done i'm applauding you because you've done a wonderful job and um it took a long time and you put it all together and uh and well done how do you feel um thank you that's good um no it was a relief to get it, <laughs> to get it done i will admit it wasn't easy um yes i suppose uh, you know orchestrating this amount of <laughs> uh people and contributors uh with nothing to uh pay them with other than cupcakes it's hard <laughs> it's it's hard i'm still waiting for my uh what's i say wait did you got a cupcake because i didn't get I, a cupcake. I didn't i got the promise of cupcakes um uh, but as i said they've <laughs> never yet to arrive okay uh, yeah. they're being so made that- as i speak <laughs> <laughs> what were your why why, we, why did you want to do this that's a good start well um yeah i mean i think over the years between the three of us we we've done quite a few projects creative things where we've kind of written scripts and recorded various things um and i i do i'm i'm a prolific writer which doesn't necessarily mean I'm a good writer, but it 
it, this this kind of came out of a necessity to kind of get something uh, with with an ending, I guess, with a product, with something rather rather than just writing something down, sending it into competitions, or, or trying to get people to uh, notice it, you know, produce it, which is quite a difficult realm, uh, an avenue or rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, I, I thought, okay. We've kind of flirted with doing this on a number of times, and I, I I really wanted this almost to be like a proof of concept. Where I thought, okay, how how difficult can it be to put together a script? And I, you know, I'm a, a massive horror fan, and I thought, you know, rather than trying to produce an entire film, it, it might be easier to to sort of collaborate on an anthology and do individual stories that are kind of connected. With, with some kind of theme. Uh, and yeah, so that that was the goal. It was like, okay, you know, can, can I do this? I mean, you know, De- Dennis, you're, you're much more adept at production and audio and putting things together. So this was quite this a true. challenge. <laughs> this was quite a challenge for me to sort of put myself in, in those shoes. Um, yeah, so especially, you know, we're not, I'm not an actor. I, I'm not a sound person. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was definitely a challenge. But it kind of gets to the point where you've got to think, okay, you know, I've, we, we've got to we've got to use the talent we have. Uh, and obviously, having your both of your help on it was uh, yeah massive. We we actually we made something. We got it done. We've sent it out into the world. Yeah. So for anyone for uh, who has yet to hear it, how would you... Can you uh, can you play a clip right now, Imran? Oh, that's a great idea. Okay, well, well tell us what it's about first. Okay, right. Uh, so yeah, so for anyone who's yet to hear it, what, how would you, how, you know, what is it about? How would you describe the, uh, the premise of the story? Okay, so I guess... I guess really to, to just kind of build the background. I, I grew up in in Kent. Um, I grew up in in small towns and villages, and you know, amongst well, amongst very small rural places that are very uh, how do I put this? Very kind of closed off to the rest of the world. So that made me want to create this this setting, this kind of slash village town small very narrow one pub location because that's that's where i come from and i'm very aware of the fact that having lived in london a long time a lot of people um get to a certain stage where they have children um you know they they've grown up in north west and south london and then they tend to move uh, to Kent, so they move move to the villages and the and the places that I'm from, and it's it's really strange, and, and a lot of people retire there. So I kind of wanted to to sort of capture this idea of of what it'd be like to to kind of leave London and to sort of choose this um, rural lifestyle. So you're you're moving away from the rat race, you're you're kind of giving up your career, you're. You're, you're basically entering your retirement years in this idyllic village setting. And, and on top of that, the idea, you know, build, building on the, this kind of slightly folk horror, this sort of 
insidious appeal of the local community and what that local community hides. So if you think of things like um, uh, Hot Fuzz is is a good example. Um, but yeah, there, there's many, you know, Wicker Man, there's many kind of different folk horror films where where people, you know, they want to be part of this community. It, it, it can sometimes be coloured by religion. Uh, it can somehow be... They're sometimes coloured by things that have, you know, secrets that have been buried, you know, even people that have died and, and kind of tragedies. And, you know, there's a lot of paranormal things. So I was kind of feeding from that. So, you know, the whole idea is this uh, couple, this couple who have suffered a tragedy. They basically, you know, minor spoiler, they've, they've unfortunately, they've lost their daughter. So they kind of decide, you know, they've almost vilified London. They see London as somewhere they want to get away from. They want to get away from that memories. So they go to the small sort of village of Bychester to start again. Uh, But the issue is a lot of that tragedy and uh, misfortune follows them. And Jeff, um, played by my colleague Imran. um, Not friend? No, we're, we're past that now. You had your chance to verify that. But yeah, so um, at the end of the road I lived in was a Masonic Lodge. And you've probably heard about the whole uh, Masonic lifestyle of kind of a, a secret society that get access to VIP and special things and government and all these things. So I was always kind of a bit um, taken by the the idea of the Masons and this kind of literally, f- figuratively, an old boys club. So it, I thought it'd be nice if Jeff kind of wanted to join this old boys club, become like a Mason uh, and join up and be part of something. And obviously I don't want to, again, don't want to jump into the spoiler, but he he kind of uh, finds out or becomes part of something that he he didn't bargain for, something a little bit uh, sinister. Fantastic. On that note, we, we have the clip. Uh, so I may ask you to set the the clip up. Uh, so yes, just as a, as a as a minor teaser to the episode, what were we about to hear? Um, sure. So at this point, um, the the character of of Jeff is he's talking to the the local vicar um, because he's inquiring on how he can join this um, this basic uh, again I wouldn't say secret society at this point but he knows that there's a lodge he knows that there's a kind of group of um, community elders who who run this kind of secret group and he he's he's trying to find out how he can be a part of that and he's also trying to find out who in the community are already a part of that because he's he's completely you know starstruck and fascinated and um he also you know he starts to find out that his own family have have a background because his dad used to live in in the village so yeah at the end of the service Jeffrey took the opportunity to approach Reverend Talbot whilst he was thanking his parishioners for their attendance and contributions. 
Great sermon. Uh, really nice to meet you. I'm... You're Jeff Tibbs. You and your wife moved in just this week. I'm sorry. It is a small community. Word gets around. So, what do you think of our sleepy little village? It's nice. Very quiet, uh, but very, very beautiful. If you're one with Bychester, then you're one with nature. And nature is our lord. I saw the village hall was closed for, I'm guessing, renovations. Uh, Maybe I can help with that. I used to help finance building projects. It's fine, Jeff. You can drop the pretense. I know you're curious about joining our little quorum of brothers. Oh, well, I'm sorry if that's rude. I just wanted to... Nothing wrong with a man who wants to partake in everything Bychester has to offer. After all, I did once know your father. Oh, I thought it had been so long since he passed that... Your father was once an important part of the community. Dare I say he was a key member of the Lodge also. Uh, Awesome stuff. Two fine, fine actors taking part in that wonderful clip. Um, Dennis. (laughs) Dennis, I was going to... Dan touched on something regarding yourself, which I was desperate to ask you about because I've... Uh, you're in an incredible situation, incredibly unique situation of being, uh, I hope you'll accept the term, a storyteller, uh, in a variety, across a variety of different mediums. Um, you know, you've done, uh, audio, uh, dramas and, uh, put them together in that, in the context that Dan has here, you've, um, your, the day job, um, involves working on incredibly high-end films uh you've been a broadcaster a radio presenter a podcaster uh you worked on a comic book as well how across all of those mediums how do you kind of relay like the 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 perks not the perks the uh the kind of the strengths and the weaknesses of presenting something presenting a single narrative in an audio only kind of context when, you know, the idea of, of, of writing for that or, or editing for that and being very aware of every intricate sound that, you know, that has to paint a picture of where a person is. How do you kind of, what, what, what sticks out about how you put that together as opposed to telling a story across different mediums? Well, that's a very interesting question, Imran. Let me just uh, think <laughs> about that for a moment. Um, back uh, in the 60s when I was living in the uh, East Village in New York and I had my, you know, artist studio. It was a different uh, time. It was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, so it's an, it, it is an interesting question, uh, bullshit aside. Uh, I, I think with every medium that I work in, you've got to appreciate the medium itself. And this, you know, not wanting to sound hackneyed or corny about it but you know let's say comic books for example comic books are what they are because they combine sequential art and storytelling and if you try to create a comic and you focus only on the art or you focus only on the words you're not really creating a comic you're creating an illustrated story or some kind of like motion stills animation like a limited animation type thing a comic book 
combines the both both aspects together to tell us tell a story in a way that couldn't be told otherwise and that is the same is true of audio drama audio drama um you use sound sound effects and dialogue and atmosphere to fill in the to to or well, to create an environment um not just to describe what you're not seeing it's not about sort of trying to substitute what you you know what you would normally see on say on film with, with with sounds that's not quite it you're you are effectively painting a picture but you're doing inside someone's head radio as you know is a very um intimate um medium and um when you're uh listening to an audio drama or an audio book um it's inside your head and your 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 brain is 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 creating not just a visual of what you're listening to but it's creating like a feeling sensation everything and you have to understand that when you are creating audio drama mm-hmm. uh, and i think that is true for every single medium you have to look at the medium for what it is and play into its strengths and tell a story that's right for that medium not just trying to translate things from one medium to another just because that that's that's there's no interest there's no point in doing that like you know why would you why would you do that i've recently um worked on some animation i say recently in the last few years and i and i found myself thinking why are we even doing this as an animation it doesn't you know there's nothing about this that needs to be animated it could just be live action uh, in the sense, and in the same way, you could say, be working on an audio drama. You think, well, why are we doing this as an audio drama? It's like it's there's there's nothing that would lend itself to that. And um, if you think about, you know, in, for, for our UK listeners, someone, I think at any time you must have heard something like The Archers, right? When when you listen to something like that, whether you like it or not. It's like you're listening into somebody's home, isn't it? Like you're listening into conversations that are taking part in the home. And the, and, and the content of what's being said is nothing to do really with the location. You visualize, uh, uh, it would be interesting to try and get everybody's visualization of the same, uh, of mm-hmm. the, those locations. They'd probably be all completely different, but strangely similar. But they're not important to the actual story because, you know, it's an, it's an audio drama and that's not, it's a radio play. Um, and the visual aspect of it isn't what's important. So I was a bit rambly answer. I don't no, know it's a perfect answer. <laughs> I mean, if I can pick up just on something that you said about, like, sometimes you've, uh, like, worked on something. Like you said, why is this, like, an animation? Or why, you know, if you would listen to something, say, why is this an audio drama as opposed to something else? I mean, what... I mean, is... Is there, is there kind of the... Uh, if, you know, from an audio drama perspective, for example, it's... The I was going to say cheapest, like sort of way of getting it done. It's it's considerably easier to record something in that context as opposed to right. We need to if we're going to film this kind of in a you know with cameras and get proper actors mm. and proper sets and proper uh, locations and things like that. Right? If you want to tell a story and you know let's say you know us as individuals in, the, in this situation uh, dennis i think you are more of an artist say than than dan or myself for example but we couldn't tell a story in that way i couldn't sit and create a comic book for example with any kind of genuine feasibility or belief that you know that's the best way i could tell the story you know but like i suppose something about just the audio drama notion that it is and i'm i'm saying this to people who have 
spent a lot of time editing things like this together. But do you think it's kind of the... It is effective in its own way, as you've said, but the easiest way of telling a story sometimes? I I, I don't think it is. And I think think, um, Dan would be very quick to agree with me on this because it's actually an awful lot of work. Yes, It's just, it doesn't, pardon the pun, it doesn't sound like it when it comes out the other end. And like anything, if you've done it correctly, it seems effortless, but it's actually a lot of work. Um, When you deprive uh, a human of four out of its five senses, they focus in on the last one, the remaining one very, very, very intensely. Mm. So, you know, the things that you'd get away with, for instance, on screen, um, where somebody would deliver a line badly, but it's accompanied by some great, you know, body language or, or you know, some, some comedic uh, physical comedy, fine, it's going to work. But you strip those visuals away and you end up in the world of audio only, and suddenly those shortcomings become very apparent. That means that for the creators, for the director, for the editor, like just the smallest thing becomes a, can become an issue. For, I'll give you an example. When people speak, they tend to, you know, uh, or, or sniff or, <clears throat> or do that while they talk. Now, if you're doing that on, you know, on, on account in like on screen, you can get away with most of those. No one's really going to notice them. You know, you probably wouldn't do that if you were like, you know, doing a, like a, a visual drama or whatever. But you still, you'd be amazed at the number of little ticks, affectations that you can just pass off and people just won't notice them because they're accompanied by body language or because there's other things going on. But you strip all those other things away and when the sound is the only thing you can hear, mm-hmm. those suddenly are 10 times more prominent. And you yeah. can find yourself just spending hours cleaning up audio that you would never clean up if you were, if you yeah. were on a film set for example. So it's not that easy. You know, you're, you're right. It was an, un, it was an unformulated thought, I think, but yes, I, it I, was. It was. was. <laughs> <laughs> See, and, and by me saying this, you're going to have to edit that out or take the lazy way and leave it in. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. No, it's not lazy to leave it in. That's, no, that's, it's honest to leave it in. I'm going to leave it in uh, as soon as I take it out. But no, if I can say, um, before I throw it to Dan, I mean, that's, it's very, very, that's a very astute point, if I may say, because I think um, with this, my pretty much my first kind of acting gig, I think sometimes I would do a scene and in my head, I'm like, I think that went okay. That went as well as I could have done it. And then Dan will send it a scene over or a draft and I'll listen to it and think all those all those little intonations that i thought i was conveying mm-hmm. are completely non-existent yeah and i'm listening to it and i'm like i sound really flat i sound very one-dimensional and i and it, i think because even now as i'm talking i'm expressing with my hands right um i'm i'm you know i i feel like i'm con- trying you know i'm conveying a point and i think when you're in a scene and you've you know it's there's a variety of you know high stakes and drama scenes and you think you're conveying something in your head and it just when i'm listening to it back and i remember messaging dad and i just said look i that one was is really not good like i'm really unhappy with how that one turned out like i i thought i did a better job um and yeah so i guess that's a that's a fascinating point uh dan your experience in sort of having to edit and kind of constructor in this case uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i think 
I think the first thing I wanted to say is it, it was weird how technology kind of shifted a little bit because when Dennis, Dennis and I first started to try and put together, uh, well, convert a script into audio drama, we were very much, you know, and, and sorry, and also to add, when we were podcasting first, we were very much meeting with people in a room and, and recording on a, uh, it's still a digital device, but it's not online. Whereas, um, and I know, you know, we, we've had things like Skype and, and video calling for a long time, but it, it felt like it was only during lockdown where there became this kind of native local recording options through the internet. So suddenly, it, you know, things changed. We could We could do what we're doing now, which has been three different locations i mean not only we you know we're in two different parts of london well kent technically i think but um kent and london and montreal in canada so we're we're in different parts of the world yet we're still able to do a recording so that that was one um really big shift it's a great point yeah but i i think with with audio, I, I I'd always when I was kind of writing film scripts, you know, very aspirationally, um, the first thing I would be thinking about would be, okay, how how much how much would this cost to make? A, a ridiculous notion because it's never going to get made, but I would always be kind of thinking, how do I make this? Or, or even kind of sitcom things that you and I have written in, man. It's like there's always like how many how many characters, you know, how many settings, how many um, uh, locations, you know, how, how easy would this be from a budget uh, perspective to, to film? And I always kind of thought like that. And it was only when I started thinking about doing, doing um, scripts as audio, I was like, hang on, you, you can, you, your, your imagination is your only limit in terms of where you set that situation that script you know we could do one where we're all sitting on mars smoking joints it it doesn't matter there's no there's no budget involved in in that only the point of trying to convince people um through pure audio through pure background um that that you are where you say you are and that and that's a lot harder than than I um, I thought it was going to be, but that that's been the most interesting transition. Is now I kind of, you know, since since I started doing this, and we, we've done a few dry runs on other things, but you know, at having to do the the sound myself, it it completely opened up my mind. And thought, I, you know, ev- everything I I write now, I'm I'm immediately thinking, okay, what what's the background noise? What 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 do I need to convey and convince people that these characters are where I want them to seem they are? So it was definitely a lot more work. I thought it was going to be a lot easier. I think I would have probably written a lot less characters and made it a lot shorter. So I think, you know, probably simplicity is the key to, 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 to doing good audio. I think I think you don't need to be as grand and epic and have as many layers uh, probably less is more and that's one of the things I, I learned from this is is doing it is it's a lot harder than you think you know as, as Dennis says like 
I, I'm sure anyone probably listening to Old Boys Club, it would, you know, they they wouldn't be particularly phased by it. They'd be like, okay, this is just how uh, I wouldn't say good audio, but audio drama is. You know, it's always got this level of detail. They're so used to TV. They're so used to two hundred, you know million budget action films in the cinema so i think you know it's become second nature to be uh what's i don't know what's the word to, to break that wall of reality to where, where you're just convinced that everything you see and hear has that uh level of professionalism in it and and you don't you don't question it i was even thinking of you know a classic christopher nolan trait where he he actually quite often i mean in oppenheimer's the the most recent quoted film but you know he did it in 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 the batman films he did it in inception you know he he's well known for completely drowning out audio with the the soundscape with the you know with the with the background music with big booming cinema audio he he's renowned for it, and you know, as Dennis says, you you can't you can't do that. You couldn't do that in audio drama because as soon as you start to mess with the um the you know the the music and the the effects, and uh, uh, you know you're 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 killing the story because people can't hear what's happening. They can't hear the the dialogue, and you just can't get away with that sort of things. Whereas, you know, he does because people just you know. They appreciate the spectacle. The, the the sound adds to the actual impact of the cinematography and all that effects and all that good kind of filmmaking. But you can't do that with audio. With audio, you know exactly as as Dennis put beautifully. You're you're relying on one sense and you're trying to convince people. And I think Dennis himself, on many occasions, when when I shared early versions of this, was like. I'm not convinced you're in a pub for that scene. I'm not convinced you're there for that scene. Uh, you're telling well, he didn't me- believe that me or my wife were actually married. <laughs> if I remember, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> <laughs> we, we still don't think that, and uh, no, apparently not. <laughs> and we don't know where where you got um, Annalie from as well. I mean, yeah, from a, obviously like a child acting agency because. She really, no, you know, <laughs> impressive. At one point, I honestly thought she was your daughter. It was amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, there are other challenges as well. Like, so, for instance, if you're creating, you know, nearly any other medium and you want to change from one scene or one act to another, you think about this in terms of comics or in terms of a stage play or television or even a book, it's very easy to close out a chapter and go mm. to another chapter. In audio drama, how do you do that without necessarily forcing some kind of musical theme or stab? You know, fading out and fading back in to say that you've changed scene. There's nothing visual. Like you can change the soundscape or you can, you know, you can fade people's word, words out. But if you're doing a lot of scene changes, that can become quite tired after a while. And that, and that presents a problem in itself. We've definitely... In the past, we worked on a, uh, we've been putting together an audio drama which takes place on a space station and fading, cutting from one scene to another and also doing the passage of time without having an array to actually say three months later, you know, whereas, you know, on a, on a, uh, in a film or television, you can do the passage of time in so many different ways. 
that uh, that's visually immediately apparent you know people aging or changing fashions or mm. you know literally day to night or just some text which says 36 hours later um whereas in audio that's actually quite hard to do um unless you have a narrator that's there for that purpose so there, you know, there are a lot of tra- challenges when you're doing audio that you're not normally faced with yeah. in other mediums that you really have to think about. And as Dan was saying, it's like, you know, how do you convince somebody that you're in a pub or in a church or outside in, in someone's garden? How do you make a garden sound different from, you know, the woods? Or how do you make a high street sound different from, you know, a quiet road? You've got to do it all with sound effects and stuff. But you know, without it becoming too sort of obvious and in your face, that can be quite difficult. Mm. Um, especially if it's a longer scene. The pub scene's a good example of that. How many clinking glasses and background murmurs <laughs> can, you, can you put in to yeah. get that across that it's actually a pub? Um, you know, so, yeah, there are definitely a lot of challenges. Well, I suppose that, that, and that's a great point because it, it, how much noise you put in is dependent on how busy the pub is. So if you have quite a lot of noise and you've got the conversation, oh, it's quiet in here today. Then, yeah, that's that's interesting. The, too much noise represents obviously more hustle bustle than you may want. So that that was actually that. The, my biggest challenge with that is trying to create enough sound in the background that you can hear it, so that you can get a sense of the location whilst also being able to hear the dialogue because naturally um you're only as good as the lowest waveform as in the lowest volume that someone naturally speaks because you can't all shout and 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 rant and and be at one consistent volume level and this was a real problem because I would put background noise in in a scene and then halfway through, a character only has to, to sort of lower their register to the point they're, they're kind of whispering or sighing or just, just basically reducing uh, the, the level of um, volume to a point that suddenly you can't hear it because that means the background noise, which, because you can't, yeah, it's it's really hard to individually con- control every point of of volume in, in, on a background effect or background mm. sound. So yeah, well, unless you do it forensically, but I'm I'm not that good. So yeah, that that was always a real problem because I, I'd put together an entire scene, I'd listen back, and then suddenly I'd realise that there was just literally could it could just be one word that you could no longer hear. Um, especially with with Dennis, actually, especially for you, because as as the narrator, there were points where I had to ramp the music up because you you know through the narration and through what was happening, the tension was building, the actual horrors coming through, and I'm like, oh, okay, so suddenly I, I have to ramp up the the uh, impact of the music so that it builds attention, and and immediately when I started to doing that, suddenly I'm actually losing your narration which is you know <laughs> fundamental to 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 the actual scene itself so yeah that was a freaking nightmare actually that was gonna be my next question uh dennis uh you as dan has said you were you were the narrator and you talked about that itself as a kind of a plot device to help transition between scenes uh amongst your numerous talents and skills um uh acting is not something i think you've ever pursued is it 
Not since the um, classic <laughs> 1981 school play called The Charcoal Burner's Son, which I performed on stage wow. at Wilberforce Primary School, aged 10. <laughs> what was your role, if I may ask? I played the king. I had previously, in previous roles, played God in uh, Noah, in Gentleman Jazz, the uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber musical um, yeah, rendition of Jonah and the Whale. Um, wow! You'd uh, make a really on. good god. That that tracks well. I, I sang a solo piece at the beginning, and then I stood at the back of the stage on my cloud with my arms folded, just peering down on Mortal Man for the rest of the entirety of the play. After making it rain and flooding everybody out. That was wow! Yeah. Well, how did so. you enjoy your your role in 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 this instance? I mean, it's God in its in its own way, the narrator, and that your your all knowing watcher esque kind of uh, uh, perspective. I suppose you've kind of reconnected with the the previous God character. Uh, how did you enjoy the role? Did you enjoy kind of getting into it? And um... I, I, I enjoyed the role. It was interesting uh, in, as, in as much as I think Dan wanted a particular type of creepy voice, which I don't think I can do. Uh, so I sort of did it a different way in a way, because I think that's one of the important things when you are acting if you're directing an actor or someone who's trying to act is to have them feel as comfortable and as natural in what they're doing as possible, because we're not actors. None of us here are. So if, you know, if I asked you Imran to play the role of a wall street stock trader who had just done 15 lines of cocaine and was, you know, on a, on an all weekend bender, you probably couldn't do that very well because that's not you. At least that's what you tell the wife. Um, (laughs) But, you know, if I ask you to play the role of an, you know, of a copy editor that lives in Surrey uh, and has been working in the same job for 20 years and wants to kill themselves, you can probably do that quite well. (laughs) I've been doing it for the 42 minutes of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But so so it's 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 a challenge for someone who's not uh, an actor to get into a role that's simply not them. So that that I found quite difficult. So the way we solved it, of course, is by lots of like you know audio modulation and effects. So I could read the part relatively normally, and then we played around with it in with sound tools to make it sound weirder and creepier than I actually read it. I think I don't know if you'd agree, Dan. There's quite a difference between my original. Uh, reading and what actually is on is on the uh, uh, in, in the play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Although probably less than you think, but um, thanks. One, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it was it was very effective because we actually again, you know, I keep saying about lockdown because this is kind of where this started. We. We did do a run through where I tried to do the narrator because I wanted, I had this re- ridiculous idea that I could be the, um, I don't actually know what the thing from Creep Show is, but the presenter, weird creature thing from, from Creep Show, um, who, who does the, the introductions to all the individual stories. You know, so can I, you. Can you do a bit of, do you remember, do you remember the voice? Because I remember the voice. Oh, can you do it? God. Oh, um, I will. I'll try in a second, but but yeah, I 
I, so I, I, I was trying to do something yeah, very camp and particularly over the top and nasty and weird. And of course, it just it just didn't work because it, it took it took you out of the 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 the, the slightly more dramatic nature of this because this, this even though it has a little bit of black comedy in it um I, I felt the more the more i lent in on the comedy aspects the more it, it just really kind of undermined um and, and yeah t- took you out of the 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 actual story so yeah i i realized that that was a bad move and and, and having dennis do it with with a lot more um I don't know. A lot more dignity. <laughs> dignity is a good word. Um, can I can I just say, by the way, uh, Dan, you're talking creature. I think it's a ghoul. Is is the, is the creature? Uh, yeah. But are you yeah. talking about the new creature or the original one? Um, I, I don't think I've seen the new creature. Uh, I'm, I'm because sorry, there the was new... one. There's been a new series from 2019, hasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, isn't it the same? The same ghoul in both. I feel like I have seen some of the. New I, I do. Want to be honest, I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't say. But yeah, I think it's the same. I, I've not seen the new one, but yeah. um, I was just. I was just looking at it online on poster. Because um, because yeah. I, yeah. I think having a disembodied like I, I feel having a physical ghoul doing the presentation of that. Because it's it's a very you know you have a lot of um, well that's another set for that. Sorry, go on. I mean, well, sorry to interrupt. I mean, if if you can see the person giving the performance, it changes, right? You know, if I yeah. was dressed up in like a ragged hooded robe with skin falling off my bones and teeth missing and looking like I just risen from the dead, then that performance you just gave would probably work. But you can't see the person, so. Yeah. You know, it just sounds like some kind of deranged person who's hanging around outside an off-license, doesn't it? Actually, conversely, when you say that performance like that that Dan gave, say, would work, it, it as to, to your point, it wouldn't be needed. No, that's right. You wouldn't have to do yeah, you would, that. Yeah, to, which I, to, which to, I suppose, to convey, yeah, that, yeah it's, 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 again, it brings us back to audio and having to almost work harder. Mm. To, but, to kind of convey it as well, isn't it? And the other part of this, and you know, Dan and I have run into this several times when doing audio stuff as well, is is writing dialogue is is not as easy as people think. And not not that people think it's easy, but what you find is that the way you write something so you can read it, and this is this goes back to the whole point about converting things from one medium to another. If you if you write uh, a dialogue between two people and you look at the page and you read it in your head. It can work most of the time. The moment you get two people to actually speak that, it doesn't sound right because the way we write people speaking and the way people speak are two different things. Yeah, massively. And most of the time, if you take a book and you read the words that have been written as dialogue out loud, they sound, it just sounds weird. It sounds fake, contrived, forced. It's like nobody has a conversation like that, you know? Um, So that's, so, you know, Dan wrote the script or the, and you give the script to someone and everybody's going to read those parts differently. So we spent, I think, I don't know if there was any paragraph for the narrator that we didn't change just to make it deliver like, like the context, the content of the, or, of, of what was being said didn't change, 
But the word, the actual words and the cadence and everything had to change because I couldn't say them the way Dan imagined that they should be said. Yeah. So, and, and I think, I don't know if that happened with any of the other cast, but that was definitely the case for me in order to get, in order to do a convincing narration, it ha- I had to change quite a bit of the text so that I could say it with gravitas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, Iman, you and Lisa, when you were doing your parts, I, what I, I tried to do um, for those scenes in particular was almost like here, here is the, a rough idea as in like from a plotting point of view you kind of got a sense of what needed to be said but um you were both very good at at freewheeling as in like yes you were certainly looking at what was on the page but you didn't necessarily use those words in that order if i'm if i'm right yeah there was a bit of that um i but there was i mean that i come back to that first scene which i sort of alluded to in earlier in this conversation about I guess to Dennis, what to what Dennis was just sort of saying about sort of realistic dialogue. I made a, a joke about you know Dennis saying that not believing we're an actual say couple, but I think it was that first scene, isn't it, where we, where Jeff and his wife Jeff and Pam are arriving at their new home, and uh, that sort of that that interaction that they have about just those next steps of of right, we arrive, what do we do? And um, unpacking and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that scene in its original kind of iteration was something, I guess, when recorded, um, didn't hit those kind of, um, those notes that where you have to say, okay, actually this, we've all approached this uh, probably not the, the best way. And um, yeah, I think that was something that Dennis had pointed out and we, we re-recorded it and I think it came out way better um, than, than obviously what we, were able to achieve with that first go around so um so yeah and it's it's yeah i think that's what what as a, what dennis was saying as well isn't it yeah and i think one of the things that naturally happens with any script um and, and using all the cl- cliches here where they say it's a living breathing thing um and many instances from from the original version to what we ended up with x number of months year later they're, they're always going to be two different things and you kind of realize that so much of the you know the, the the middle part of that script and even the end of that script have kind of changed so therefore you know partially you know to a, to a lesser extent but I think that original scene had sort of lost its um, I don't know lost its edge it, it, it wasn't quite mm. as relevant because quite a lot of the other script had had, um, had changed, you know, it, it had been modified for various reasons. There were a few right. extra scenes, few extra characters, and things. So, so suddenly, you know, the, the the very first scene ever written isn't quite as relevant as as you think it is, and and suddenly that you know, also only when you've kind of got some of the other. Uh, scenes recorded you you kind of realize oh okay why would they say that that's weird that's like or that's like a plot hole or that doesn't make sense in that context and and as you know I think Dennis pointed out it's like who talks like this why would they immediately start having that conversation when they've just left London or yeah Yeah. so you realize that you know my my particular thought was that my particular thought was they've just done like an, an hour and a half drive in a car. Mm. And everything they say when they get to the house, you would have said it already. 
Yeah, that's and that's that's a great. It was a great point. That you're right. That's how I should have relayed what you were saying earlier. But it's it's that that need for exposition versus a logical context in which to reveal the information that you're trying to impart, isn't it? Yeah, uh, completely. And I think I think with audio, like going back to what I was saying about radio being an intimate medium, with audio drama, I think it's quite important, even in the most fantastical of stories. Because you're asking the listener to do the heavy lifting, lifting in terms of visualization in their head, you've got to help that. You've got to help that along its way by, where possible, making things as grounded and as realistic as possible within the context of what you're doing. So because the moment you're listening to something, if you get taken out of it, um, then, then it's done. You're, it, it's over. You know, your mind starts to drift, especially like, you know, if you're on a train, on a bus, you're listening to something in your headphones and, you know, it's, you get taken out of what you're listening to, you know, blink and suddenly five minutes has gone by and you've lost track of it and it doesn't make sense. And then you're going to turn off and not listen to it. Yeah, true. Um, I I also realized one thing, quite a lot of um, serialized audio drama, um, especially long running stuff where there's, you know, not not only ten episodes. There could be ten episodes per series of something. They don't really use a lot of. Um, they don't use music. They don't use as much effects. They don't really. I don't know. They they don't really build that. Um, again, I mean, it's it's kind of different mediums and different studios. If you're talking about something that's done by Marvel or BBC then you'll possibly find that there's uh, a lot more budget in there. But a lot of the more kind of independent stuff, uh, you, you realize that they, they don't worry about that. They, they, they don't try and do that from the start because they know that it's impossible for the, the story that, that's going to run for the length that it needs to, that they, they, they can't possibly have all the time to do that. So there's, there's, there's quite a lot of fairly famous... Um, audio dramas out there serialized that that don't have a lot of um well you know a, a lot of music a lot of kind of they don't have the trimmings because you know potentially you know in, in, in often in some cases the story is so good they don't need to mm. there's a question for each of you actually um um i shall could i know dan obviously bear in mind you you wrote this obviously uh you are a horror enthusiast i think we can describe you as dennis you a horror fan not really uh actually um i in fact uh historically when dan's wanted to go to the uh movies to watch horror and he's gone say you know with other friends and whatever of ours like you know whether it's bernice or shane or, or or even gavin i've turned i've declined every time because i don't I'm not really into slash horror. I'm not, I'm not, I, I like terror. I like being scared, but I, it, it's, I find it difficult to believe a lot of the stuff that's billed as horror, unless it's all the way down the other end of the spectrum into classic supernatural Dracula stuff, Dracula and Fran- Frankenstein, which is like <laughs> fantasy. That's not really horror anymore right. i mean it kind of falls into the horror genre genre but it's not really horror anymore it's become sort of like a caricature of itself and you watch a dracula movie or a frankenstein movie or a werewolf movie and it's not you're not watching it for the horror aspect you're watching it for those characters right 
Um, there's very few modern horror films which actually, like, I, I enjoy watching because I'm like, this is nonsense <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> um, I mean, I do, I do like a jump scare, and I do, I do like to be terrified. And there are some things which I find quite chilling, but they normally they don't normally they don't have a supernatural element to them. So, for instance, I'd watch. For me, horror is something like Alien or Silence of the Lambs. Or something that could really happen. That is terrifying to me. Mm. Not saying that alien could really happen. It probably could, but you get what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, but you know, if you look at um, other kind of stuff, like, I don't know, like a lot of zombie movies and stuff, I'm not, yeah, that doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. So, you know, f- um, things like Friday the 13th and all of that, that's, I don't know, they're not, yeah. But you don't get anything out of it from a... I mean, you said you like being scared. I mean, if you... But I guess the thing is they don't scare me because I know it's not real. Right. Like, And I know there's no chance of it being real. That's why I find stuff like... Um, you know, I find something like... I, say, I, I go back to Silence of the Lambs every time or something like that. that that's scary. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I found quite scary? The scariest film I've seen recently is the, is the opening sequence of the last Batman film. The Robert Pattinson one. Like the first twenty minutes of that film are terrifying. That was almost a horror film, not a superhero movie. So that's I mean the first thing I'm thinking of it that is when well obviously it can't be this specifically, but when he he attacks, he defends the guy from the thugs. He kind of emerges from that. No, no, I mean like right so the, yeah, what part? Right, right at the beginning when the guy's in, he's in the room and the Riddler just appears out of the darkness oh, behind yes. him. That's terrifying. Right. Because you can put yourself in that situation, right? You can be in a room, you're sitting there working, doing whatever it is alone. And for all you know, there could be someone standing behind you. Mm. You know, that's terrifying to me. So, um, yeah, that's how I feel about horror films. But I, I appreciate them for what they are, you mm. know. So, Dan, we've discussed this several times. I'm in <laughs> awe of your fascination of horror because I, I'm while Dennis is susceptible to not much, I'm susceptible to everything. And, uh, I don't like being scared. I, I find horror stays with me in, um, uh, in a lot of different ways. Why for you, you know, you, you, you love horror. You've, you've, you've consumed so much. I know it takes a lot for it to, I know you can appreciate something that you like and say that's good, um, but it, I think it takes quite a lot to have an impact on you. Why is horror what you gravitated towards in this instance? So I guess to try and say something I haven't said before, um, it's a little bit like why I like um, certain uh, musical genres, like kind of rock and metal and the, the subgenres. I feel that horror is... It's it's quite a broad label, but both um, that medium and and the musical mediums I've talked about is is where a lot more experimentation happens, uh, where people are um, a little bit more likely to take risks and try different things because, uh, as much as you know, I love and I think we all love you know sci-fi and action films and comedies and um and animation and a lot of you know a lot of things that uh we go to the cinema to see and you know we consume through streaming i feel like there's less surprises out there i mean even when it when it comes to the the superhero genre i i don't think i've seen anything 
in the last in the last year especially that I haven't seen about you know ten or twenty times before in, in different formats, different angles, different takes. Um, I think with horror, you know, there's a lot of homogenized, predictable, um, very kind of you know they've 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 kicked the living death out of most uh zombie films and things like that but but then you get something like last of us and even though that that's kind of you know from a video game they they, they found something um that this kind of has some gravity in reality because the whole cordyceps is is a real scientific uh thing in nature so I feel like that's not necessarily the the example I, w- I wanted to give, but there, there's there's a lot more things out there. Um, <coughs> you know, I think horror can be psychological horror, as as Dennis says, with things like Science of the Lambs, it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be supernatural. It doesn't have to be creature based. It doesn't have to be the undead. It doesn't have to have any basis in science. Horror can be anything that gets under your skin that that, that kind of plays with concepts of of kind of reality and morality in day to day life, it doesn't. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to have gore and blood and jump scares. But I think you know, independently, there's. A, it doesn't also need to have a huge budget. So if you look and you know, there, there's a lot of films being made by, uh, you know, new filmmakers who go on to to do to do, you know, amazing things. A lot a lot of young filmmakers cut their teeth in that genre because it's the quickest way to get the sort of attention from their peers so yeah i think there's there's just a a lot more scope um to do that because you can't you know as as much as a new you know young director no matter how good you are no matter really what you've done in uh tv or, or books or even comics it's 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 not really easy to to take on a studio um and you know, and, and be made the point person on a a two hundred million pound Marvel film, for example, or or, or another big franchise. You're never going to get the level of creative control um, that you may be. Well, I'm not necessarily saying you want that. You're probably happy just to be there, but you, you're never really going to get what what you could if if you're making a low budget kind of psychological horror, for example. So that God, that was a long response. Uh, yeah. Can, can I can I just, uh, despite what I said about me not really being into horror, but what I will say about it is, is I feel that horror, if done correctly, is a great is a great genre for audio drama because stole my next question. I was in, just about to ask you that. Yeah. In, in you know when you're listening to an audio drama or an audio book, and I, I I'll, I'll, in fact let's talk about the difference in a, maybe a bit afterwards, but you're very often in a situation where even if you're not alone in the dark, you can be just by shutting your eyes, right? All you've got to do is close your eyes and you're alone mm-hmm. in the dark, right? And it doesn't matter where you are. And then your imagination can run riot. And of course, the human imagination is way better at creating scary creatures and creepy situations than even the best of the best visual effects houses. So I think in that regard, horror works very well in a um, audio drama situation, um, which is a, a, a good reason to, to, to land in that place, you know, when you're starting out doing uh, audio drama. That was going to be my, abs- my next question for you, Dennis, because I think 
a, I want to say a lot of horror. I mean, when it comes to horror films, they, I think a lot of horror is built from what the viewer sees, but what the victim or supposed victim doesn't see. You know, you have that, you know, whether it's them slowly being stalked and you're in your head, you're screaming, turn around, turn around, you know, or just that someone who, you know, is creeping into a house and you're waiting for the inevitable jump scare. But horror relies so much, I think, on a visual. I say horror relies, sorry. I mean, horror in, in film or TV, that that as a medium relies so much on on what we are, are seeing or what we either don't know is coming or what is coming. So again, for me, not to rehash a, an earlier question, but that notion of audio, do you, were there anything in any in any experience that you've had and yourself, Dan, as well, when you've had to put something together, I mean, you've not had the tool of that slow build to something that you know is coming. You, you, it's harder to convey like that minor element to horror as well, isn't it? Just an audio only scenario. Um, I think in the, in with this particular drama, the thing that comes to mind which is a note that I gave Dan once he thought he was finished editing it, uh, was the... The fourth time. <laughs> without, without wanting to give away any spoilers, there's a little bit at the end where the protagonist runs away. And um, in, in, in that scene, around that scene, I remember saying to Dan that there didn't feel like there was any kind of weight or gravitas to that moment, like it needed something more. Do you know the bit I'm talking about, Dan? Yeah. Like, it yeah. just didn't feel like, like, this is it. This is the moment. Like, it, it, everything needs to build here kind of, uh, kind of situation. Um, and so that needed a bit of a rework, didn't it, to, to make that work? It did. Um, I think. Yeah. And, and I think one of the, the fun things about podcasting and, and you know, doing and doing different audio formats is I feel like there's, there's some fun stuff that we can play with because um, as, as a medium, and this is something I know Iman and I have talked about um, quite a lot and, and possibly a mild spoiler to what, what might come next. But I feel like um, there's a lot of stuff uh, just, well, purely within, within audio and with social media and, and all the kind of micro formats of of storytelling we we do through our phones, just, you know, again through you know things like Instagram and TikTok, that um, I think are completely ripe for utilizing aspects of horror because they are so. Uh, what's the word? I, you know, there, there are definitely films that you know. There's films called dash cam, and there's films that you know use. Um, you know, video conversations over webcams, but I think it, it's still a medium that hasn't really been pushed to its limit because people people are so used to watching and listening to all forms of audio and video on a kind of day to day basis. It's, it's no longer about just cinema and streaming, and I think it's quite easy to um, deconstruct those formats to make interesting situations that feel a little bit more uh you know realistic it, it's almost like an extension of the found footage genre which kind of 
started off the the the, the documentary based you know oh th- this 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 actually happened and we've uncovered this it's, it's a sort of semi semi horror investigation format and i feel like there's a lot more left in that canon um yeah that can be mm. utilized yeah we talked about um up- upcoming sort of potential uh stories for this sort of monsters within us series and i i i think you know audio is it's it's a fascinating kind of medium to tell stories because we've looked at the idea of doing uh, uh audio in three completely different kind of contexts to tell three completely different stories so the first being a scripted kind of uh, scene one scene two kind of narrative the second one again I'm, I'm all spoiler to what may be coming then you know you in that you take an audio of a real time uh say online exchange then you keep it whole you keep it as as the interaction as it's playing out and then the third one being in a documentary kind of setting so those are three completely different ways of of sort of maximizing that as a single kind of uh genre slash medium and yeah it's sort of completely different and varied approaches each time which is a really fascinating and really exciting kind of way to go i think well, it depends on how good it ends up being, but yeah, we hope. <laughs> oh, oh, on, well, not yes, beyond that statement, yeah. who knows what will happen. But uh, <laughs> as a statement, I think it's interesting. <laughs> um, Dennis doesn't know the many roles he's playing in this, so yeah, we're probably not doing any more spoilers. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Uh, can you give us, a as, as a, a farewell parting, Dennis, can you give us a, a line or two of God from... The, the play that you, you, you surmised earlier? <laughs> was that you laughing at Mortal Man? Or... <laughs> no, that was me laughing at that suggestion. No, I can't. It. I'm afraid no, I can't do that. Because right. I don't have an orchestra, a pit orchestra. Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're absolutely but I, I can tell you now, having visited Dennis in uh, Montreal, have, have ha- having had that privilege, he does sit atop a massive cloud looking down on humanity in his uh in yeah, his home. That's, that's not on that's not a it's true yeah <laughs> <laughs> um well i suppose this seems like a good place to wrap up there's more things i wanted to discuss i wanted to have a conversation which i think is probably better kept for another separate episode but i wanted to as a, as a you know minor tease through that conversation i really want to talk to you guys about the notion of ai um as Ooh. you know just as a, a a tool within the creative process and uh that i think that opens the door to a very lengthy conversation so uh, i think we'll that's a whole nother episode in right? it's Isn't a whole nother episode but it, I, it was sort of just a well, initially it was going to be like a gentle tease to it uh, with just a couple of questions, but I think we'll, we'll yeah, we'll, I'd love to, again, both of your inputs on that would be uh, invaluable. Um, so hopefully we can make time to have that conversation uh, another time. Um, until then, however, uh, congratulations again, Dan. It's a, it's a super cool thing that you did, uh, an amazing achievement. You, like you said, you wanted to kind of, finish something so um you did and you did a really great job so well done buddy and uh yeah i think um we're super proud to have been a uh, a minor footnote uh within the um 
within that process and to, to kind of see it through to completion. So uh, well done, dude. Uh, thank you both for thank your you. time, uh, for uh, hanging out with me today. I was keen to have this conversation. As we said, I'd like to reconvene soon uh, and, and, and have more, uh, a more broader conversation about AI within the creative and artistic processes. Uh, so hopefully we can do that at some point. Any final words, thoughts, comments, notions from either of yourselves? No. <laughs> <laughs> Less is more, Imran. I thought that's what was, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I, to be honest, I was going to say something about Less being more because what you, we didn't talk about was the stuff we cut out. Um, of what we left out. Right. What had to be sliced out because well, that, that's in yeah. opposite from not painting enough of a picture sometimes you can paint too much of a picture um yes. and, you, and that's a very difficult balance to find like how much this is kind of what i was trying to get to when talking about like chapter changes and stuff how you know obvious do you make things you know um whether it's with sound or whatever how many extra scenes how much explanation do you do um so uh, maybe maybe there could be a director's cut yeah <laughs> well do you know what, what's interesting is um again it crossed my mind to have that conversation but it pertained mainly to the end so i didn't know if you wanted to have that conversation dan but i you it's a great great point because i'm in a, a very fortunate situation where i get to talk to a lot of artists and musicians and uh via various other podcasts and things and i one question i tend to ask is do you know when a project is finished do you know when you've reached that like yeah it's done or do you have that point where you keep going beyond the the a logical conclusion do you know what i mean much like this episode right now but like in terms <laughs> but you know like when you've created something and it's done and it, but you just you find it hard to switch off you find it hard to stop even though it's like dude it's like stop it's over do you know what i mean and um, yes, no, I, that's a question I kind of wanted to ask. But again, because I, I, yes, Dennis has alluded to uh, that points to a very <laughs> specific situation that we had with this episode. But um, I can it, give a yes, very quick it, answer if end. you want. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, please. Yeah, I mean, I I felt like with, with this one, I wanted to tinker forever. There, there was so much, not because I, I necessarily think there was anything fundamentally wrong, um, and again, I'm talking about beyond the, 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 the edits we made to the ending and a little bit to the beginning. But there's, there was so much left over that I, I kind of uh, of things and ideas that I wanted to put in and, and things I wanted to kind of improve and tinker with. Because I think at heart, no matter how we, you know, how well we know ourselves, we're, we're all a little bit of a perfectionist and I and I kind of kept wanting to edit and and do more and and after a while I was just like no 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 this just has to be this has to be finished we have to just let this go and 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 move on and yeah but there's always a temptation to go so I just edit that one little bit or maybe should we redo that and yeah I kind of realized that 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 could go on for you know uh, rogue one level reshoots uh, to to quote a, uh, a a movie reference, was that a New Hope? No, Rogue One. Oh, I see. 
Um, thanks very much for tuning in. <laughs> uh, thank you both uh, for uh, for hanging out. I really really enjoyed it. Appreciate both of your time. Um, and uh, thank you for listening. And if you've yet to do so, if you've made it this far and you've not listened to Old Boys Club, then I would urge you to do so. It's a, a rollicking <laughs> uh, adventure uh, of uh, lycothanthropian proportions. What's the word? Like lycanthropy, lycanthropy and proportions. There you go. Uh, you can find us at forever in electricdreams.com. And uh, till next time, friends, bye bye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>